Blog Talk Radio. This is the Body of Christ Church, inviting you to our virtual living room, where we discuss today's issues and how those issues relate to the Holy Scriptures. So sit back, relax, and engage in conversation with us. Good afternoon, and the Most High in the name of Christ bless you. I am Josiah, and welcome to our virtual living room, where we examine recent events and other topics as they pertain to the Holy Scriptures. We give all praises to the Most High in Christ, and we give thanks for God's generous mercy, grace, and forgiveness. Uh, Just to start off, I'd like to uh, tell everyone who's listening in that uh, the chat room is open, and you can go in there, and uh, you can uh, make any comments or Make uh, any questions that you have, you can put those in the chat room also. Uh, It's open and available for you. Um, Today's topic is a very, very interesting topic. Uh, It is concerning real men. Um, We're going to talk about, you know, how do you go about identifying a real man? What what is the definition? We know what the definition of a man is. Uh, that's, That's very easy to identify, you know, but... When people talk about real men, when they talk about manhood, exactly what does that mean? And joining me here today in the virtual living room to discuss this topic, we have first off our brother Yuanathan. Okay. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. Giving our praise to the Heavenly Father in Christ. All right. And secondly, we have our brother Kabar. Shalom, brothers and sisters. No praise to the Most High Christ for all things and everything. And we also have our brother Bud. Hey, Shalom, everyone. Most High Name Christ Blood. And last but not least, back with us again is our brother Kazaki. Shalom to the brothers on the paddle. Shalom to the listeners, our audience. All praise to the Heavenly Father in Christ. And uh, definitely good to be back to uh, discuss this topic today. Now, Kabar. Uh, this topic is your brainchild. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, what what drove you to come up with this topic? Why you well, you know, yeah. Some of the things that motivated it was just, um, you know, you whether it's, you know you come in personal contact or you see things on the radio and the media about uh, things that happen in our community, uh, whether it's violence or the different perspectives you see coming out, uh, defining a man's role, defining what makes a real man, or just what people think being a man is about, you know, and then when you tie this back to the things that's happening in our community and while our, our people are in the state they are in, you kind of see the connection between what people perceive as their roles or perceive as how they're supposed to conduct themselves and the results of of what that of what that perception produces in a person's personal life and also the communities that we live in, and in order to correct the ills and the uh, and the uh, the degradation that we see all around us, we have to kind of uh, move into that personal area where uh, a, a scriptural real reference needs to be given as far as how you supposed to supposed to personally conduct yourself, carry yourself, type thinking and acting, and what you're supposed to be basing that on, uh, and that 
that's what we're supposed to be on is the scriptures and not on all of the things we hear out in the world have no basis in reality or basis in the true understanding of the scriptures. So once we once we begin to deal on that personal level as personal accountability to God, to the most high, then that will be really at the crux, really at the center of how we how we begin to heal the problems in our own communities and lives. Okay. And now and, and there were like uh, a, a few different aspects you wanted to cover because we understand uh, that it's just being a person period, just being a human being, there are many aspects to every person's life, uh, definitely in regards to men. Uh, so we're not going to try to cover every aspect, am I right? No, no, that, not every aspect, but there are um, uh, one or two different aspects as far as secular aspects. And it's really from different corners of, uh, I guess, what you call the black community. You have what you can, and, and this is where the divide is taking, taking place at. You have what I call the urban perspective. You know, uh, young men, young black men, uh, particularly is what we're focusing on, in the, inner, in the inner cities, in the urban areas, and what they perceive as being macho, being tough, being a man. And you find when you look into that type of psychology, it is out of that psychology that you have, whether it's the gang bangings or the drive-bys or the turf wars, the violence, or even the intimidation showing that you're stronger or bigger or more aggressive than another person. These are the badges that make uh, that, that this urban inner-city perspective young male has as far as what makes him a man. I can okay. roll up on this. I can roll up on this guy and take his money. I could do this. I could do that. I could pull my gun out and get respect. Okay, that's to make me tough. That's to make me a man. So that's one one aspect. Then you have also on another spectrum that what you call that corporate. What I call a corporate perspective. Uh, you may have older black males. They may be uh, more clean shaven, highly educated. That person who has the big home or the big car. Uh, may have a high-level executive position in a corporation, and that's what he sees as his badge of honor or what makes him a real man. And each one is looking at the other one like they're a punk. They don't know what real manhood is about, you know, and they, they're kind of misguided. So, you know, one is looking at the – you have the corporate side looking at the urban side as <clears throat> these are fools and, and hooligans. Then you have the urban side looking at the corporate side, like they saw uh, uh, sellouts. Uh-huh. So right. you, have, you have each side looking at the other, like, listen, that's not how to be a man. But then uh-huh. the, the third and most critical aspect that we need to really focus on is what I call a biblical perspective. And that, it is at that basis that we find a, a black man, which, you know, so-called black man, Israelite man, what is he supposed to be about as an individual? How is he supposed to be uh, <clears throat> carrying and behaving himself in the family, in the community? How does he handle his finances? There's all these different aspects that he pulls together based on what the scriptures describe and what, what the Lord and what, what God and Christ is looking at as far as what makes him uh, a proper, upright man in his, in his sight. And when we take that biblical perspective, we can look at that urban perspective and see the flaws in that. We can look at that corporate perspective and see the flaws in that and begin to get a centered view on the proper perspective, which is the biblical perspective. 
Okay. Now, uh, Abaja, um, take in consideration uh, that, you know, th there are all these various aspects to any man's life. You know, and we're going to be exploring just a few here. Um, isn't it possible that uh, aspects that are perfectly suitable to one man because of the role that he has in life, in the world, those same aspects would not be perfectly suitable to another man because of his role in life? Uh, for for example, we're talking about the, uh, the, 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 the the men who grew up in an urban environment versus the men who grew up in corporate environments. I mean, isn't there a way that you probably need to con conduct yourself in an urban environment to be considered a real man versus uh, a different uh, conduct in a corporate environment? Well, let's uh, let's go to the scriptures and see what model we're supposed to be, you know, what, what sets the tone as far as conduct, whether you're in a corporate environment or you're in an urban environment. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. <clears throat> it says, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. Now, I'm going to stop right there. It says that the head of every man is Christ. It didn't say the head of the urban man. It didn't say the head of the corporate man, the head of the straight man, the head of the homosexual man. It says the head of every man is Christ. So if Christ is our head, meaning this is the person that we're supposed to model ourselves after, this is the foundation on which a man, according to the scriptures, is supposed to model himself, then the conduct and the way that you deal is going to be the same regardless of what environment that you're in. We look it's at the example of Christ, and we follow that example. Okay, but now, you know, you said the conduct is the same. Now, if you're walking down uh, a street in the ghetto and you're approached by some, some men, wouldn't you have a different approach with them than you would if you're walking through the hallway of a corporate building and you're approached by some men? Well, the scriptures also say a man look as well to his going, you know, even in a spiritual sense, but also in a worldly sense. You have to be aware of your surroundings. But not, notwithstanding how we are supposed to conduct ourselves if we call ourselves followers of Christ, that is going to remain the same. Now, granted, you know, you're going to be aware of your surroundings and you're not, you know, you're not going to just be lollygagging if you're in a place where a lot of harm can come to you. Or even if you're in a place where you feel that, you know, no harm can come to you, you still have to be aware of your surroundings. But it just goes back to we have to model ourselves after the example of Christ. Because if everyone was following that example, then regardless of where I was, I wouldn't have to worry about someone trying to knock me upside the head and steal me, steal my money or, or whatever, because that person knows that they're supposed to be following the commandments. Kazakia, one, one of the most defining aspects of a man's life that uh, many people look at to d determine whether he's a man is how he has, actually handles finances. You know, how much money does he have? Um, does he keep his finances managed well? Uh, does he have uh, bills under control, uh, et cetera, et cetera? You know, uh, how true is that uh, in determining what a real man is, or uh, determine a man's manhood? Uh, first and foremost, <clears throat> I apologize. First and foremost, that's a good question. You're, you're asking that question from a secular perspective as far as money and finances and things of that nature. And the scriptures do tell you that money is a defense. However, in other words, money the money that we earn is, is, is used as a, as a shield, more or less, for the things in society. You need money to pay your mortgage. You need money to 
to uh, pay your, make your car payment, to pay your bills, uh, buy clothes, buy food, provide for your family, so forth, so forth and so on. Excuse me, but uh, the defining aspect is not about money. The defining aspect, uh, if I could read this particular scripture to start things off, <clears throat> and this is Ecclesiasticus 27 and verse 3, it says, Unless a man hold himself diligently in the fear of the Lord, his house shall soon be overthrown. So the overall point is, is it about the money, excuse me? No, it's not about the money. Unless a man holds himself, that man holding himself diligently in the fear of the Lord, he is keeping the commandments, he is following Christ, he's being an example to his wife, to his children, if he has those things, then unless a man is doing that, his household will be overthrown, meaning his household will not prosper, it will not gain. And when you read the scripture, it talks about fear of the Lord. It, it doesn't say anything about money. First and foremost, the fear of the Lord and keeping his commandments, repenting, and, uh, and, and taking on the example of Christ, doing that first, and all the other factors, all the other nuances will fall into place as they fall into place, such as money, so forth and so on. But money is not the end all. Fearing the Lord and following Christ and keeping the commandments through the example of Christ, that is the end all. And then everything else will fall in its proper perspective, such as the money. So that's your defining characteristic, or that's your defining attribute right there. First and foremost, men being fearful and following Christ. Okay. Uh, you want to say, uh, getting back to um, the whole urban perspective, you know, the game banging and all that stuff, the money is definitely a big part of that. But another big part of that environment is the whole notion of being disrespected. Now, uh, if in that environment, if you are a real man, you are not going to stand for anyone to disrespect you. You've got to do something about it. Does the same thing hold true for a real man that's according to the scriptures? No, not according to the scriptures. When you go, um, can you hear me? Yes, I hear you. Okay, when you go into the scriptures, you, that's not the example of a righteous man that the Heavenly Father, when he endowed man with the knowledge and wisdom that he gave to us to apply to our life, and then finally given his son the, the example for us to follow. That's not the example. When we go to Proverbs 20 and 3, it says, It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. So it's, it's an honor. The Heavenly Father is showing us here in, in the wisdom here with Solomon wrote that we find a way to um, leave off from strife, leave off from from um, going into that, that realm of violence. And if I can just read one more thing, um, Psalms chapter 11 in verse 3. Let me get it right quick. And it reads, I just lost my place. Psalm um, chapter 11 and verse 3. It, it's the more wisdom that David was pulling out. And it reads, 11 and 5, rather. 11 and 5, it says, Psalms 11 and 5, The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. So now there's an error in our ways with this violence and this strife. We have to find the Heavenly Father did not intend that for man. That's for a brutish man, as the Scripture has said, someone that's going off from the wisdom of the Lord. Okay. Uh, Kabar, along the same lines, you know, talking about the uh, the urban lifestyle and all of the violence that goes on there, 
if uh, you are brought up in that environment and, uh, you know, you, you've actually been witness to and you heard about people being beat to death or being uh, beat to the point where they had to have extended hospital stays and so on and so forth, you learn that you don't want to have that happen to you, okay? Well, I mean, you know, m nobody wants that to happen to them, okay? So you learn uh, various things to do to avoid that, right? Now, wouldn't that be what a real man would do is, is, is to conduct himself so that he uh, is, is not harmed? And if that means having to uh, have a firearm or a weapon or, or, or have friends who are apt to protect him, wouldn't that be the, the type of thing that a real man would do? Well, no. Because, no? No, because the scriptures yeah, tell us that. Wait a minute. Think about the environment now. You know, here you have a, a very dangerous environment, and you're going out. Don't you need, you know, as a man, wouldn't you have to protect yourself somehow? Well, you do have to protect yourself, but this, it's, it's really a matter of how you go about that. Now, the thing is, I mean, I'm out. I don't have to talk from hypotheticals. I've lived in that environment. You know, I I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, there for Stuyvesant. You know, I've seen people get shot at point-blank range, okay? And uh, I had, you know, I had to develop many tactics as an inner-city youth in how I, you know, had to conduct myself and go about, you know, just living basically in the environment I did. And, and trust me, I'm talking about, you know, from from 9 and 10 years old on up to teenage years. Believe me, kids have so many different ways to deal with things. You know what I mean? Like there were certain routes I would take going home from school, and that, that would change almost, you know, on a daily basis depending. I mean, you really had to hone in on your senses and basically your street knowledge. Now, the thing hey, is look, can, I, can I just interject that. something? Can I just interject something? Now, you, you said you're taking certain routes and so forth. Now, in, in many minds, a real man is not going to take a different route because there's somebody over there that poses some intimidating danger or something. They're going to go and face up to it. In many minds, that's the case. And you're taking different routes. So exactly. you, were, you were a child at the time. You were, yeah, I was, a, I was, I was uh, you know, 13, 14, very young, you know. Right, but as a um, man, you would meet that challenge, though, right? Well, I mean, you got most 14-year-olds in the inner city that feel like they're a man. I mean, I, I have to tell you, it's not like, I mean, I had friends that was into selling drugs and, you know, associates that was into selling drugs, and, and they had guns. I could have, you know, I had access to weapons, whether it's a knife, switchblade, or, or a firearm. I had access to that, and I could have gotten it and used it. But the whole thing is that, you know, understanding also the consequences, and that was, and, and that that aspect goes back to your rearing. You know what I mean? I had parents that did teach me the right thing to do. So even though I had access to that, and I could have put on the the gang banger, uh, intimidation, uh, urban uh, approach to it, and and confronted these things head on, and somebody stepped to me and blast them, I could have done that. But then I will be dealing with all of the other consequences. And this is some of the consequences. Let me just let me just give you a quick reference. This is from the Midwest Free Press online, uh, and this is the CDC. This is uh, dated back in September 27th of 2009. 
CDC report shows dangers for black males. One of the things that they found was that the majority of black female homicide victims are killed by a current or former boyfriend, okay? So this is dealing with black-on-black crime, which, which many refer to as femicide. It says 93% of all black homicide victims are killed by a black perpetrator overall, okay? So I would have been one of those statistics had I chosen that urban perspective, okay? And I, I would have been, like the scripture says, rendering evil for evil, uh, a murderer and all of these different things. So you have to choose an alternative route in order to deal with your issues. The scriptures tell us, if I can read this real quick, in uh, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 3, and this scripture, apply, this scripture particularly applies on so many different levels, but we'll approach it from this perspective. Proverbs 23 and 3, 22 and 3 says, A prudent man foresees the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So that prudent or that wise man foreseeing evil sees that there may be adversities, dangers, and certain things uh, lurking ahead, and then he takes precautions in order, avo- in order to avoid running into those things. But that simple person passes on, uh, deals in the pride of their own mind, confronts it uh, in a foolish and ridiculous way, and wind up, like the scripture says, being punished or either murdering somebody, being murdered, being incarcerated, and all of these other negative outcomes. So we have to be like that prudent man that foresees the evil and take steps to avoid those those confrontations if we're able to. So a real man is avoiding confrontations rather than uh, meeting the challenges? A real man uses wisdom in all situations. A real man holds himself diligently to the commandments of the Lord. One of those things is not committing murder. Like the scripture says in Leviticus uh 19 and 18, 17 and 18, when it tells us that we're supposed to love our neighbor with all our heart, that we're not supposed to grudge against our neighbor. The scriptures also tell us in Exodus chapter 20 that in the Ten Commandments that thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not murder. Okay, so these, a real man holds himself diligently to the commandments of the Lord and does everything in his power to obey God and not break his commandments. And by doing that, it it, it brings you to a situation where you have to employ certain tactics in order to both uh, keep yourself safe and also not break any of God's commandments. That's what a real man does. Okay. Uh, how, how realistic is that, though, for someone that spends 40 years in that environment? How realistic they're going to be able to do that? Well, I mean, I could. Well, I grew up in the environment. Um, of course, I have moved around. I wasn't in one static place or position for 40 years straight. But the thing is, it's, a, it's about, um, like the scripture says, it's about learning, growing, foreseeing evil and things like that. I'll give you an example. My father, you know, we was, of course, I was born and raised in Brooklyn because that's where my father lived. But him, he himself applying that same scripture in Proverbs 23 and, 22 and 3 about foreseeing the evil uh, saw that the place that he was in, wasn't the type of environment that he wanted his children in or was safe enough for his children. And that's exactly why I'm in Atlanta today speaking to you now, because years ago he made the decision to make a move to an environment that he felt was more conducive to the safety of his family. Okay. These are some of the decisions which goes into applying the scriptures that avails you the ability to analyze the situation, look at the scriptures, and then choose the best approach according to what the scripture says. 
Kazaki, you know, you hear what Kabar said about the way he grew up in this urban environment and how he had, fortunately, he had parents that taught him uh, right from wrong and so forth, and he was able to manage in that environment. You know, take a child, uh, a, a boy who grows up in that environment, uh, at an early age being victimized, whereas if he had a little money or if he had a toy or whatever, somebody came along and took it from him. You know, by the time he's a teenager, he's liable to have a lot of um, malice built up uh, regarding a number of different individuals. You know, under those circumstances, uh, growing into manhood, uh, wouldn't it seem almost proper that um, – he would not take anything off anybody. He would rise to every single challenge uh, in order to cope with the environment he's in. Doesn't that seem like the right thing to do? It may seem that way, and the key word is seen. And uh, the reason why I like to stress that key word, because now we've got to look at the scriptures, because in uh, Proverbs chapter 14, and verse 12, it says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So according to this particular society, it may seem right for a young man who has been bullied upon or beat up on or, or been taken advantage of by the urban environment in which he's in, it may seem right for him at the appropriate age to step up, meet the, challenge, meet the challenges that, that, that have been issued to him, and uh, establish his own manhood. That may seem right. But according to the scriptures, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The end or the, or, or the result of our people, our young men, doing what seems right to them instead of doing thus saith the Lord in the scriptures, uh, the, in the end result will be death. The end result will be destruction because they are leaning upon their own understanding something that the Lord told us not to do in Proverbs, the third, the third chapter in the, in the fifth verse, excuse me, they're leaning upon their own understanding instead of basing their, 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 their decisions and, and, and what they do out of the scriptures, out of the example of Christ, out of his teachings. So, for, so what has to happen is there's got to be a change, and that change is, over, <laughs> excuse me, that change is overall repentance, repentance being Changing first and foremost your mindset. Change your mindset from whatever it is that this society has taught us to think. Change from that mindset and now focus your mindset in the scriptures and bringing your mindset first and subsequently your actions in line with the teachings of Christ. And that will be the defining act which will make a true man in the eyes of the Lord and not in the eyes of this particular society. Okay. Well, thank you for that, brother. Abaja, um, somebody growing up in an environment, just like any environment, if you're going to be a man, uh, you've got to take care of your family. You've got to support your family, correct? Correct. Okay. So now, uh, question is, and uh, I don't want you to answer it right now. We're going to uh, go to a quick break here in a moment. Um, but the, the question is, uh, if you were in that environment, and we know that in these urban areas, oftentimes, Employment is a seriously, serious, seriously big challenge. <clears throat> You're not able to find employment for whatever reason, but you, you have a family and they have needs, and the needs are mounting up. Uh, under that 
under those circumstances, um, would it or would it not be okay for you to do whatever is necessary in order for you to feed your family, including stealing or dealing in drugs or whatever else, you know, uh, extortion, whatever else you have to be involved in in order to uh, feed your family. But, you know, before uh, you answer that, let's go to a quick uh, break. I want a real man. Hi, this is Samad from the Body of Christ Church in St. Louis. I would like to invite you to our show in the STL. The shows air every Wednesday at 6 p.m. It is an hour show on Charter Communications, channel 980 and 981. So take some time out to get the good word, and may the Most High in Christ bless you. And Shalom. Join us for the Spanish version of the virtual living room presented by the Body of Christ Church every Saturday at 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. In the virtual living room, we will discuss topics as they pertain to repentance and how to obtain salvation. You can join us via internet at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash ICDC or you can call us at area code 347-994-3788. Hola y salam para todos. Únete a nosotros en la sala virtual presentada por la Iglesia Cuerpo de Cristo los sábados a las 11 y media de la mañana hasta las 12 y media de la tarde. En la sala hablaremos sobre muchos temas relacionados al arrepentimiento y cómo obtener la salvación. Se nos pueden unir a través de internet visitando www.blogtalkradio.com slash ICDC o nos puede llamar al 1-347-994-3788. Gracias, que Dios Cristo le bendiga. Thank you and may the most high name of Christ bless you. Shalom. The brothers of the Body of Christ Church welcome you to visit our YouTube channel. The web address for the channel is www.youtube.com forward slash the B-O-C-C 1000. Once again, the YouTube channel web address is www.youtube.com forward slash the B-O-C-C 1000. You can find many insightful classes concerning the understanding of Christ and his teaching dealing with repentance. Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Giving all praises to the Most High, to his son Christ, thank you. Okay, brothers and sisters, we're back, and today we are discussing uh, the definition of a man, uh, what a lot of people term to be real man. Uh, and Abaja, before we went on break, um, 
the question to you was someone growing up in an urban environment um, where there's low unemployment and they they have a family and they face with the challenge of you know surmounting family needs, uh, food, clothing, medicine, so on and so forth, and they just don't have the money coming in. Uh, you, you know, would it for a real man? What does a real man do under those situations? Would it be okay for him to do whatever is necessary in order to provide for his family, including selling drugs or stealing or, or, or whatever? Okay, well, to answer that question on one level directly, I want to go to Romans 13 and 1. It says that every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So now, I'm a, with having said that, it says that every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Now, when you read down further, it's going to tell you what some of those higher powers are. I'm going to jump down to verse 3, because it says these powers are ordained of God. Okay? It's, I'm going to read verse 2. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou, excuse me, wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Because the thing is, is that, first and foremost, when, being that we live in this land, they have rules regarding what is considered legal and what is considered illegal, okay? Selling drugs, getting into, you know, any type of scams where you're basically uh, getting money illegally or illicitly or even, you know, deceitfully. That, from what we just read, is not an option for a man that says that he's following Christ and that, he's, uh, that he believes in God. Okay, you do those things, you will go to jail, period. Okay, secondly, because you have people that do these things, you know, their mentality is, you know, by any means necessary, whatever. Okay, fine. I want to go to Ecclesiastes 15 and 20. It says, he hath commanded no man to do wickedly, neither hath he given any man license to sin. When you look at the example of our forefathers, when they were put in certain situations, going against the commandments of the Heavenly Father and just, quote, unquote, doing what I got to do was never an option, okay? What they did is, first of all, they were keeping the commandments of the Heavenly Father and striving for righteousness. They prayed to the Lord to show them that mercy and to give them the guidance, and they went out and they did something about it that was within the confines of the law. Because there are a couple of things that, you have, that we have to realize, okay, is that when we follow the Heavenly Father, that doesn't guarantee that we're going to be riding high on the horse or high on the hog, have a, people have the saying goes. Okay, but the other part of it, too, is that I want to read Psalm 37 and 25. It says, I have been young and now old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. So part of following the Heavenly Father and dealing in that faith is that whether we're struggling, quote, unquote, or whether we're doing all right, the Lord is going to take care of his own. He's going to take care of his own. So, no, selling drugs is not an option. Uh, getting mixed up in illegal activity, that is not an option. To answer your question directly. Okay. So it sounds like the, sounds like what you're saying, uh, to summarize it, is that the, the option is to be obedient to the scriptures and, and, and the Most High God will provide for you and your family. Exactly. And it's not like something is just going to fall out the sky but the Lord will move things in such a way that you will be taken care of. 
because being that, you know, I want to read another scripture in Ecclesiastes and the Apocrypha, chapter 34 and verse 18. Because the thing is, you have people that think, well, you know, I can just buy my way into salvation. Okay, I, I know I sold this drug, or a woman might say, you know, I tricked or whatever to get this money. People basically get these things by illicit means. I want to read 34 and 18. It says, he that sacrifices of a thing wrongfully gotten, his offering is ridiculous, and the gifts of unjust men are not accepted. The Most High is not pleased with offerings of the wicked, neither is he pacified for sin by the multitude of sacrifices. So it's just going to show us, listen, if that money is dirty, the Lord could care less about it. If those things that you got illegally or unrighteously and you want to somehow say, well, the Lord gave this to me, no, the Lord did not give that to you, okay? That, that was gotten by illegal means, and that's not according to the scriptures. And the Most High is going to deal, deal with people for that too. So we have to be mindful of that and not go into those things. And if we have gone into those things, to stop doing that and repent from it. Okay, I want to go ahead and switch gears here and, and talk a little bit more about uh, that man who's um, uh, in, in a corporate environment. Um, but before I do that, uh, if, if I want to see if there's anything else that anybody wants to say about the man in an urban environment. Well, actually, I do. Um, because you had asked a question earlier about being aware of your surroundings. And it really just kind of goes back to the point because in a quote-unquote urban environment, you know, if, depending on how you, you know, how aware you are of your surroundings, you may, be, you know, you may be able to tell when someone's getting ready to set you up. And by the same token, you're in a corporate environment, they go, they're, they're just as apt to take your money or steal from you but just do it on paper. You know, so it just goes back to the same principle that, is as long as the scriptures are being followed, then those are things that would be minimized. Really, you wouldn't have to worry about it, okay, because the, the next man is not going to be seeking to steal from his brother or from any man, for that matter, because okay. the scriptures have nothing at all to do with color. The word of the Most High is the word of the Most High. Okay. I also would like to comment on the overall fact. We talk about urban environments. We talk about uh, corporate environments, so forth and so on. Let's, let's, let's take an example of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, when he was walking the earth, there were people that wanted to kill him. Did he take up arms and, and say, okay, come on, you punks, I'm ready for you? No, he didn't, he didn't do that. So the, the overall example, the overall point is Christ dealt, and he was an example in whatever environment he was in. And I like to read the scripture in Matthew chapter, chapter 5 and verse uh, 16. It says, let your light so shine before men, excuse me, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So it doesn't matter what environment we are in, urban, corporate, it doesn't matter. What a real man is going to do is be an example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that, other, so that everyone else sees this example and hopefully they repent and they change, and, and, and it's just, and they just understand Christ, and then everyone begins to understand their roles, especially men, since we're talking about men, the role that the man has, the real man has, which is to be an example of Christ, and, and to deal, and to deal with his people, to deal with his family, so forth and so on, the way the scriptures outline that we're supposed to deal, and not the way that society says that we're supposed to deal. 
But the overall point is it doesn't matter the environment. We're supposed to be examples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. Um, anybody else have anything on the urban environment? Okay. On, on the uh, corporate perspective, um, you know, there's certain images that are uh, conjured up when you say the word corporate. And one is a blue suit with a red tie and a white shirt. <laughs> um, Kabar, how true is that hold for a real man in a corporate environment? As far as physically, how does he look? Uh, is he is he suited up and well shaven? Um, all, shoes always shine with a briefcase. Is that uh, is that a real man in a corporate environment? Well, you know, brother. Once again, I can draw from personal experience, you know, uh, being in the urban environment and also being in the corporate environment. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I, I did work for an investment banker firm, Morgan Stanley Dean Witter, um, and I was completely immersed in that in that corporate environment. As a matter of fact, I worked in, a, uh, not only been in the buildings of one and two world trade, but seven world trade in the entire complex over there. And, yeah, that's that is completely the look. I can tell you um, that I wore three-piece suits, you know, pure wool three-piece suits with you know shiny Kenneth Cole shoes and a and a big watch and a bracelet and 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 the tie and you know. Um, so that made uh, you a real man in the corporate environment, right? As far as the well, concerned. Well, that 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 made me that certainly made me look like I fit. But I can I can tell you that that didn't make me a real man. I mean, um, I was in environments where people were were doing drugs and were committing all types of abominations, eating abominations. I mean, despicable people. I mean, so you have them on both ends, whether it's the urban or the corporate end. You know, you got you got the urban end that steals little, and the corporate end that steals big. I mean, and the fact of the matter is that the the um, the uh, prob the society and the way laws are set up are highly tilted towards the corporate end, where the urban man, you know, does some petty crime and goes to jail for twenty years, and the corporate man can embezzle billions and um, and get a bailout. So the thing is that it, it it doesn't it doesn't matter which end you look at; it's just a different way of approaching the same thing in a wrong in a wrong fashion. So, you know, I ha haven't been on both sides. I can tell you through personal experience that, yeah, um, you know, you can come with the suit and the tie and everything and, and certainly look the part. But, you know, inside you have, you know, no understanding, no clue, no direction, and you're just following what you're seeing. And a, a lot of times the most confident people you look at are completely uh, confused when you begin to deal with them on a personal level. Okay, you know, in a corporate environment, just like in the urban environment, you would probably have those situations where you're going to detect that someone's out to get you. And as a man, uh, your knee-jerk reaction might be to get them before they get you. Is that the right uh, direction to take you, Wanathan, to make certain that you get them before they get you? No, um, this is, I mean, life is not about uh, a mental chess game. 
of you learning um, to seemingly waiting and patiently to supplant another man, you know, as the, the example that was given here, um, that you're um, what we're speaking about. When we go to Romans 12 and 18, as the verse, I believe, maybe the brothers read it on the web, I mean, in the chat room, rather, it, it says, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, it says, if it be possible as much as lies in you, we live peaceably with all men. So that's that's the goal. We The thing is to to live peaceably with all men, set that example, let your light shine, that you're in the, the spirit doctrine of Christ. And though this world, you know, in this world, it's the, the, the lust of this world, one of the, the acts is um, envying and striving and, and jealousy, um, the works of the flesh, we see that as manifest on man, but that's not the, the the right example, and that's not the example that Christ taught. All right, um, Abaja, uh, being a man in a corporate environment, uh, it, it, the employment is not a problem providing for your family. That's you know you you're going to have income. You got a job. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, shouldn't you always strive to do more for your family because you 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 have the education. You have these opportunities put before you. Shouldn't you do every single thing that you can to do the, the most that you possibly can for your family, buy the very best cars, the best houses, uh, provide the best education for your children, um, so on and so forth? Isn't that the direction that you should take it? Well, those things have their place, but it all goes back to what foundation you are laying in your household as a man. Because there are various scriptures that goes into you know, about instructing children in the ways of righteousness, uh, having a care for your daughter's body and things like that. But as a man, notwithstanding, rich, rich, rich or poor, it says whether a man holds himself diligently in the fear of the Lord, his house will be soon overthrown. So it's not about the financial situation. It goes back to what is your foundation. And if your foundation is Christ, then anything goes meaning that, okay, you, you strive to do these things to get ahead in the world, and out of the blue something happens, you're wiped out. I mean, anything could happen. But the thing is, to answer your question directly, it goes back to what is that man's foundation? Who is his head? Who is his leader? What does he model himself after? And when you look at the structure that the Lord set up in the household and in the church, the man being the head, he has to understand that, his head is Christ. So I want to read Luke 12 and 15. Okay. It says, this is, our, this is our Lord Jesus speaking. He says, and he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. So it tells us straight. You know, there, there's a balance in the scripture. It says that in one place that money is a defense, but it also tells you that the love of money is the root of all evil. Because why are you making that money an idol? You're coveting after that money to the point that it's causing you to not obey the commandments of the Heavenly Father and not follow the example of Christ. That becomes your God. Okay. Kazaki, just like in, in an urban environment, there, there are certain ways that you would be disrespected. The same thing goes uh, in, a, in a corporate environment. You know, you may have a boss that overlooks you for uh you know for a promotion when you are definitely the shoe in everybody around you know it but you've been blackballed okay now there are things that in a corporate environment that people their tactics the people use 
to uh, get back at people that use those type tactics against them. You know, wouldn't a real man in a corporate environment stand up for himself and do what is necessary in order to get back at these people that have perpetrated, have blackballed them? No. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a situation like that, and brothers, I'm, I'm calling on brothers now because I'm, I'm flipping through my Bible. I'm looking for that scripture in which the scripture says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. I believe it's in Romans 12. So as far as getting back at anybody, you know, let the, let the Heavenly Father handle that situation. Let, let him handle the vengeance business. And Matthew 10 to 16, Christ said it himself, and we should take this as an example. He said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So, yeah, we're supposed to be wise. We're supposed to be cognizant. We're supposed to be aware of what's going on around us. And also applying the scriptures in uh, Proverbs <clears throat> where it said that uh, the, the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. So we're supposed to be aware of what's going on and aware of the pitfalls that lie in the corporate environment as well as the, as well as the urban environment and take the necessary steps to, uh, to protect ourselves in those environments. But at the same time, look at what Christ says again. Behold, this is Matthew 10 and 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In other words, harmless as doves, we're conducting themselves, ourselves in a non-aggressive manner. We are dealing with uh, uh, the persons in our office, living peaceably, dealing peaceably with the persons in our offices or cubicles or how you want to uh, or call it. And, and going about our business, handling the job or handling the responsibilities that have been administered to us, not going about seeing who it is that I can get back at, not going about seeing who it is I want to pay back or who it is I want to cause to go under or who it is I want to destroy. That's not our mission. Our mission is to be examples of Christ. Our mission is to go to our jobs, work our jobs, perform our job, our job responsibilities to the best of our abilities to provide for our family, so forth and so on, and that's it. And above and beyond, keeping the commandments and being an example of Christ. Okay. Uh, Kabar, having been in that uh, corporate environment, uh, I'm, I'm sure that you are aware of, you know, managers being faced with really tough decisions, especially when those decisions are involving uh, personnel, when it involves getting rid of personnel, reducing salary, uh, reducing headcount, uh, moving people around and so on and so forth, um, especially in today's economic environment, a lot of that is going on. Well, you know, a, a real man um, is not one that's going to uh, break down in tears because he's got to let half his staff go. You know, he's he's just faced with the decision, and he's just going to make a decision based on the facts. Am I right about that? Well, as a business owner, yeah, Absolutely. Right, so so he's not breaking down the tears or anything like that. So, um, what would a real man do uh, if those uh, some some of those employees, two or three or five or whatever, came to him and pleaded with him for their jobs? Uh, is he going? Is he liable to give in at that point and make some uh, allowances for them, or is he just going to stick with the facts? Well, the thing is that. Um, let me get to the scripture right here. 
because, you know, we ha- there are situations in the Bible where, um, uh, you, you know, you had uh, people who basically members in a body that, that uh, basically own businesses and the people who work for them, uh, in that instance when you read in the Bible were what you call servants, so on and so forth, but there was also in the Bible, and the scripture says that we, that you are supposed to render services, render your service unto them, you know, and you can't uh, look at it like, well, you know, I'm in the body, you're in the body, so, you know, how about you give me, you know, a break here? Um, the thing is that uh, as a business owner, uh, you you really have to make those type of decisions, and they're hard decisions as far as how you run the business. It's not that um, you, you're looking to take advantage of somebody, but the lawful steps that you are able to take in order to um, 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 help the business survive and thrive, then, you know, those are lawful things you can do. Now, the thing is, even even in those days and times, biblical times when we own farms and things like that, you may have, uh, like the scripture says, hire a man for finishing work, meaning a short period of time. And, and that depended on what the crops were yielding or anything like that. Uh, maybe that time was was uh, went on longer, or maybe that time went on shorter. But you know, as the need was, depending on what the field yielded, uh, that's the services you were utilizing. If and if the services you know weren't necessary anymore, then that job was finished, and, and that's how business the business was conducted. So I mean, uh, there are lawful ways to run businesses, and as long as you stick within that. Um, then the most is not going to be looking at you as if you did anything evil. Um, so if, if you do need to uh, reduce your staff because simply the work isn't there, just like in a field, the crops were in producing, then you would have to do that. And it's just a matter of if there were uh, assistance you can provide or references you can give to help that person move on to the next situation, you do that. But if not, you know, that's just what the situation is. Okay. All right. Uh, want a question for you. Um, in every uh, uh, in the United States, anyway, and I, I would venture to say, in probably every every nation around the world, um, in whatever industry, whatever social environment that you're in, pretty much, with with very few exceptions, there are going to be men who are gay. Uh, question is, can a gay man be a real man? Um, but no, because you got to understand what, how the Most High made the man, what was his purpose, and um, and by that you, you can answer that question. And it's clear that the Most High did not create man to lay with another man. Um, what, if, what if he's not laying with another man? He just kind of has a, a, a sort of soft, uh, maybe effeminate, effeminate nature about him. But he's not uh-huh. really interested in men. He really likes women. Well, we can go to First Corinthians 6 and 9. Okay, in First Corinthians uh, six chapter and verse nine, there's a list of things that the heavenly Father says as we do as individuals that we will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Okay, and it starts off. It says, uh, "Be not deceived." Uh, it reads this. It says, "Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived." And it says, "Neither fornicators, idolaters." Then it says, nor adulterers, and then it says, nor effeminate. Okay, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, 
nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortionists shall inherit the kingdom of God. So if the Lord is telling us here that a feminist shall not inherit the kingdom of God, and the question being posed is, well, if a man, can he be a feminist, a feminist, and um, be a, a servant of the Lord? No, because the Lord is showing you here that a feminist won't even get into the kingdom of heaven. So in the heavenly father ain't about um, straddling the fence. He's either, like Christ says, either make the tree good and the fruit good, or make it bad, and then the fruit bad. So it's, it's, it's no middle ground. It's no gray area with the Heavenly Father in Christ. The Lord wants us right. So And then, and then defining that of feminism is, is that man that, that has that tendency that wants to be a woman and puts on that spirit of a woman and, and wants to, that stuff before becoming a homosexual, okay? okay. Is it that a man, uh, it's not by what we think, you know, can a man wear earrings? Yeah, according to the Lord, yeah. The Lord gives you a list of things on how a man and a woman can adore themselves. So it's not about how the things that we think, but it's how about how the Lord wants us to be. Now, you, you want to think, you said something that was really interesting there, because uh, the question I asked was uh, about a real man. You know, is a real man, uh, you know, does he have that soft, effeminate nature about himself? And, and the response you gave in part was, uh, you mean a servant of the Lord? A servant of the Lord yeah. can't be that way. So are you are you indicating somehow that a real man is a servant of the Lord? That's the only man. Uh, okay. That's the only man. Uh, when you read the scriptures, that's why the Lord created it. Created it. That's our whole duty. So that's okay. that's all. That's that's the only man in my eyes is a, is the man of the heavenly Father, which is example everything embodied what we're speaking of is in Christ, Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, brothers, I want to uh, really delve into this whole uh, thing about being a servant of the Lord, how that really fits in with the whole notion of being a real man, because these seem to be going hand in hand. But before we do that, let's go ahead and take a break. Brothers and sisters, at this time, please accept our invitation to visit us in the virtual living room to discuss today's topic. Comments or questions are eagerly encouraged whether they agree or disagree with the viewpoints expressed by those involved in the program. To visit us in the virtual living room, please call 646-716-7749. Also, you can visit our website at thebocc.com. That's T-H-E-B-O-C-C dot com. Or you can email us at bodyofchrist at youreach dot com. Youreach is the letter U followed by the word reach. So that's bodyofchrist at youreach dot com. Or call us at 1-877-871-1712. This program is broadcast live each Sunday at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Remember to visit us right now in the virtual living room by calling 646-716-7749. Now back to today's show. This is the Body of Christ Church. Come and join us in the virtual living room every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and 2 p.m. UK Time. See you there. Shalom. I 
All right, brothers, we're back uh, continuing our conversation about a real man. And before we went on break, um, you know, I was talking with Yawanathan, and Yawanathan, um, you brought out how that a, a real man is actually a servant of the Lord. Um, I don't know that a lot of people realize that is the case. And we'd like to really go into exploring that a little bit more about what it is to be a servant of the Lord. Can you go a little bit more into that, Yawanathan? Yes, I can. Um, uh, like we said, a, a real man is, is a, a servant of the Lord. And that real man, that true, only real man in the sight of the Heavenly Father is his son Christ. Um, when okay. we go, when you go to Matthew 7 and 15, the Heavenly Father said, I'm going to sum it up. It, well, I, I get it. And it reads, one point, the Most High spoke and he said this, Seven, Matthew chapter 17 and verse 5. It says, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. This is Christ on the mount, him and some of his disciples. So now this, this cloud is coming as Christ was speaking here. And it says, And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. This is the Most High speaking here. And the Most High says he's pleased in Christ. No other man that he's pleased in Christ. And the scriptures tell you that the only begotten Son. So, that's the example of a true man, and that's the, the example we all must mold ourselves in. And he gives us many examples and many um, um, ways to what uh, show a real man by his way, his the, the way he walked, the way he talked, and the way that he um, served the Heavenly Father. Okay. Can I add on to that, please, if at all possible? Yeah, absolutely. This is First Timothy, because we talk about uh, the... The overall point is being established as a, a, a real man, a true real man is a man that serves the Lord. So now I would like to read First Timothy chapter uh, chapter 3, starting at verse 1. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's, it's a whole chapter, of course, but uh, some key points that it brings out. <clears throat> it says, this is a true saying. If a man desired the office of a bishop, he desired a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, Given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy or filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. So basically, this whole chapter uh, gives the outline of what a, a real man is. And even though it starts off as saying, uh, if a man desired the office of a bishop, he desired a good work, uh, a man doesn't necessarily have to have or desire that particular office to uh, follow the example outlined in this particular chapter, this particular verse in the scriptures, uh, 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 excuse me, to, uh, to serve the Lord. He can, in other words, he can just basically follow this outline, follow these guidelines, and serve the Lord just fine, and that being a real man without desiring or without having to have the office of a bishop. Nonetheless, what I'm trying to say is this is a good outline. This is a good example in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the chapter exactly, the whole chapter of a servant of the Lord, a real man, and what a real man and how he goes about and he conducts himself. Okay. Kabar, um, you know, it's obvious that in uh, there, there's no one aspect 
that will uh, like summarize a man's life, okay, whether he is in an urban environment, corporate environment, or whether he is actually a servant of the Lord. There's no one particular aspect that's going to say, well, that's it. You know, it's not like uh, the family life. That's that's all this man is about is his family. You know, uh, there's going to be family. There's going to be uh, money. There's going to be church. There's going to be friends. Um, there's going to be his work, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what, but understanding there's no one thing that, that summarizes it all. Is there one thing? That would be the most important thing in a man's life, a real man, a servant of the Lord. Yeah, there's a one thing that sums up everything else. We know that, well, I'll segue into it. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13 and 14. Chapter 12, verse 13. This was sums up a real man, okay? It says, Ecclesiastes in the Bible, chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. That means you sum up everything, basically this entire life and existence, uh-huh. the return of Christ, everything. The conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Going back to what the brother mentioned, the purpose for why man was created, okay? That purpose was to serve God, and that is a process that we're engaged in through the guidance and direction under Christ. But that whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. And as we do that, we learn of all the myriad categories, aspects, uh, 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 situations that go that we apply those commandments in, whether it's individual, how we carry ourselves personally, whether it's family, how we deal in that area with our wives and our children, whether it's community, how we interact with our brothers and sisters and set that example, whether it's our finances, how we go about operating that, whether it's giving alms and showing faith toward the Heavenly Father, helping out our brothers and sisters when they're in times of need. All of those things are going to be addressed as that godly man that man who fears God lives out his life applying the commandments of the Lord. They begin to move into all of these areas and begin to fill in the different aspects that a man will find himself in and the examples that he'll set in every category. Okay. All right, uh, Abaja, um, taking into account these various aspects, let's just take one of them. Let's just take the financial aspects. What what things in regard to finances just come to mind that a servant of the Lord would make certain of? Uh, I'm not I'm not sure. Could you ask that question a different way? Yeah, you know, in, in regard to finances, okay, uh, as far as uh, you know, having money and what you do with your money, what 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 kind of things as a servant of the Lord you, you're going to find them doing? A a real man uh, is is he going to always be? Uh, trying to acquire more money and, and uh, being very, very thoughtful about that money and uh, looking to increase it uh, all the time? Uh, is he going to be uh, giving or is he going to be stingy? You know, what what things in the scriptures guides and directs us as far as acquiring money and then how we go about managing it? Well, the, the scriptures gave us, you know, guidelines. First of all, it gave us the perspective and how we're supposed to view money. 
Okay, I read the scripture earlier. I forgot where it was, but um, how Christ even said himself, he said, "Where of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the things in which he um, in which he uh, acquires or which he owns." So the point is, is that a man that's following Christ, he understands what the purpose of money is and uses it for that purpose, but does not allow that to uh, take precedence over him fearing and following the heavenly Father. And, that, and that's in everything. You know, as far as ed, the education of his children, he's going to seek to do that. Okay, but that worldly or that secular education is not going to take precedence over the education that he's supposed to teach his children, first and foremost, through his example in the scriptures. Okay, as far as, you know, providing a place for his family to, to, to be comfortable, he's going to be doing, you know, he's going to seek to do those things. And, you know, it, it, it basically, the scripture governs everything, every aspect of our life. And it gives us ex- examples on how we're supposed to do that. You know, because it even talks about a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children. Okay, so you can't do that if you're struggling all the time. So it, it gives us a, a balance on how we're supposed to conduct ourselves and how we're supposed to do riches. Because you have another example where you had a man that wanted to follow Christ, and he was like, listen, I've done all of these things. I've kept all of these commandments. What one thing do I lack? And the Lord told him, sell all that thou hast and come and follow me. And it says that the man went away sorrowful because he had great many possessions. And the point of that whole story was it wasn't about the money that that man had that was going to keep him from following Christ and going to the kingdom of heaven. It was the fact that he valued his money more than following Christ. Because that's the whole thing. The Lord shows us that Anything that we have or that we put before him, you know, is going to cause us to not uh, obtain the kingdom of heaven. Okay, okay. Um, you want to uh, another aspect to uh, a man's life is um, typically it's going to be uh, the relationship he has with his wife. Yeah. Could could you go a little bit into how a servant of the Lord, a real man, conducts himself with his wife? Okay, um, servant of Christ, like we said, is that that one that man that the heavenly Father says for us to follow. That's the the true man in the sight of the heavenly Father. And that's the one that we also mold our lives after, and we listen to his instructions. And this is what he said upon marriage in Matthew nineteen ch- chapter and verse four. It says, and he said unto them, Have you not read that? Have, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and, for, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So so that marriage is a man cleaving to his wife. And when you go into that definition of, of cleaving, it's holding cleaving together. They're, they're tight together, meaning that as well. I mean, in the scriptures, many other scriptures will tell you, that no other bond is um, um, greater than a husband and his wife. Even a, a man and his best friend, his best friend is his wife. So that cleaving is, is those two nourishing each other, admonishing each other, learning each other, and growing in the doctrine of Christ. So now that 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 union of marriage, nothing nothing um, is held above that when it comes to relationships, one man to another man, meaning. You and your wife is above you and your friend. So it's That's a real the foundation man, of life. So is a real man a, a 50-50 partner with his wife in the marriage? Are they equal partners? That, 
Well, you have to go by what the scriptures say. Um, when you go to First Corinthians eleven and three, that's not the case. Okay, when you read First Corinthians eleven, and I'm going to read verse three, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. So the head means what? It's someone that they have to answer to. A man has to answer to Christ. And then it says, and the head of the woman is the man. So there it is there. So the woman's head is her husband, her man. And then it says, and the head of Christ is God. So even Christ has a head, and that's the most high. So there's order to things. It's not like when a, a woman and a, and a man, um, when we look at the other, it's like, well, I'm a woman, you a man, we equal, you can do the same things I, I can do. That's a, that's, we know that. It's, it's, it's evident that on the physical level, it's not it's not even possible. So to answer that question on that level, it's not even it's not even a um, a case to be answered. But it has to be brought up because a lot of people think because of the way this world is and the way that men treat um, their sisters, which is off, they degrade them and everything else, which is off according to the word of the Father. But that's the philosophies of this world. We have to go in and explain it. Well, you know, is is there anything wrong then? Uh, you know, because with a man um, holding his wife in high esteem and, and, and every single thing that she wants, he's he's trying his very best to make sure that she's getting it and make, making sure that she, she's happy. Isn't isn't that the right thing to do as a real man? Well, look, look at look at the example of Adam. She didn't even want to take a part of that that the most I said not to. And then we see what fell out because of that. That's just one example. And then there's many other examples in the scriptures, whereas you have to make sure, like the brothers brought out in the scriptures, unless a man holds himself diligently in the laws and the commandments of the Heavenly Father, his house will soon fall. So we all err. So this is likewise with the woman. She might err, but you have to hold yourself and, and be like, no, because that's going outside what the Heavenly Father said, and I'm not erring. If we err, this house, this union will fail. Okay. Um Kabar, uh, another aspect uh, to a uh, man's life is uh, that with his, his family, uh, his, his children. Um, how is it that you're supposed to deal with your children? Are you supposed to basically just uh, kind of leave that up to your wife to make sure that they are educated and they are fed and so forth? Or is there some other role that a, a man, a servant of God, would take in this situation where he has children? Hey, before he answers well, that, brother, can I... Can I add just one thing? Uh, sorry to interrupt, brother. I, I want to add just a little bit more edification about the, the relationship between a husband and a wife. Because, okay. you know, the, the thing is is that a lot of times people will get the idea that, you know, they will read the one scripture that says the man is the head, and they will take that and they will run a million miles an hour with it as to say, I'm the man, uh, doggone it, you do what I tell you to do, I'm the head. But I want to go because the scriptures have a balance within them. I want to go to Ecclesiastes because I'm going to go right to the point, okay, chapter 5 and verse 28. Because in 22 it says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. So the point that the brother Yohannathan brought out is exactly right, okay, even going to what we read earlier in Corinthians about the man being the head. But let's find out. Let's get some more understanding with that. Let's get some edification, okay. <clears throat> I'm going to jump down to uh, verse 23. Okay, right there it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. It says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let the wives be 
through, uh, excuse me, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Now, the key is in verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Because that's the whole, that is the crux of the situation. It says, okay. husbands, love your wives even as Christ even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So the thing is, is that that man is given that position of authority and being the head of the household, not for the purpose of just ruling over it and you do what the hell he says. You have to look at the example of Christ and the way that Christ dealt with the church, the way that, and meaning what, how Christ dealt with the disciples and the understanding that we get through the scriptures, and that's how the man is to model himself in, in dealing with his wife. Okay, okay now you, 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 go ahead. You're talking about a man loving his wife. Now, that, that kind of goes back to the question I asked Yawanathan about doing every single thing that you can possibly think of to please your wife. Wouldn't that be loving your wife? You know, how is that different? It's, the thing is, is that dealing according to the scriptures and doing everything to keep your wife or your spouse happy are, can be two completely different things. Really? If your wife has the mindset of the scriptures, then that means that, and you as a man having the mindset of the scriptures, then that means that the the goals of maintaining that household are ultimately going to be the same. And the things that you and your wife agree upon are going to be mutually beneficial. Okay, and I'm speaking just very in very general terms because that's going to vary from household to household and from couple to couple. But the bottom line is, is that the man basically dealing with his wife and having that care for his wife and loving her after the, the same example that Christ had for the church, okay? Because in 532 he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Because it's going to show you people have, have, you know, the world and society and traditions and, you know, places where people grew up. All of these things go into, you know, showing us how, it's, how we think a man is supposed to be with his wife. Okay, say for the example of, uh, you know, a wedding ring. Now, we understand that according to the scriptures that, you know, that's not really an idolatrous practice, you know, that. but if a woman wanted a ring on her finger, listen, if she understood that her, that them, their relationship in the scriptures is really what that marriage is about and that those wedding rings are just, you know, a physical representation representation of a marriage, so be it. Okay, there's no transgression there, but... If that understanding of, well, he doesn't love me unless he gives me a three-carat ring, then obviously her understanding is not according to the scriptures. So that's an example of things going into how keeping someone happy versus the proper understanding and edification that you get through the scriptures are going to be polar opposites. Okay. Well, let's let's talk a little bit, uh, Kabar, about a real man uh, and his relationship to his children. Um, you, you know, the question I ask is, you know, how how involved is a real man with his children, with all these other things that are going on in his life? You know, he has this, the, the spiritual aspect, which you pointed out earlier, is the most important one, just being obedient to God. But then he has a, a work life. He's going to have uh, friends he's dealing with. He's going to have extended family. And then he may have some other things that he's dealing with in the course of his life, including his, his own self, his own health and all that. With all that going on, and he has children also, what is the proper perspective to deal with his children, especially as he delegates that responsibility for the children to his wife? How does that work? Well, and that's exactly the thing, because the thing is that, uh, you know, God created man and gave him a charge, and he also gave man a help meet. 
mean, proper and right for him, which was the woman, that woman that is to become his wife and help him in the process and in the goals that God has given to him. But first and foremost, a man has to understand that it's his job and the responsibility ultimately falls on him to make sure those things are accomplished. His wife is to help him, according to the scriptures, be guided by the spirit as he is guided by Christ. But ultimately, whether it's the rearing of the children and their education to the floors being swept in the house, that's his responsibility. Whether if, you know, his wife may be, you know, on point in the scriptures and, and doing her part, or even if she's not, he still has to make sure it gets done no matter what. So ultimately the responsibility falls on him to make sure these things are done and not give the most high excuses as to why Can they're I not. Can I stop you right there and ask a question? Because you, you, you just you just brought up something that just, uh, you know, the question you, you said sweeping sweeping the floor. Okay, now this is a small thing. Okay, but if 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 you have a wife and she's not taking care taking care of the housework, okay, you out busting your butt twelve hours a day working, and then you also have some other civic duties that you're taking care of, working in a church and so forth. Maybe running around taking your kids to uh, different types of functions that you have them involved in so that they are exposed to all different aspects of society. And then you come home and your house is not kept. Are you, are you telling me that at that point you're supposed to just go ahead and, and, and take care of the house? On top absolutely. Of absolutely, brother. I mean, what do you do? Uh, allow it to fall into shambles? I mean, it, it is. Is, well, is there the, no way that you can make your wife do what she's supposed to do? Absolutely not. You can't make your wife do anything. You can't make her serve the Lord. You can't make her obey. You can't make her do anything. As a matter of fact, you have to, under, well, how, you have how, to understand wait that. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute now. You, you're saying this man is stretched out. He is doing every single thing. Now he has yeah. a wife that's just worthless to him, and he's going to continue on in that vein? That's a real well, man? Well, the thing is, there's counsel you get in those particular situations. And, and the fact of the matter is that God will act because God is overseeing these relationships, whether it's between you and your wife or, the, or you and the community, whatever it is, he is personally, through Christ, overseeing every single aspect of your life. That's why a spiral can't fall to a ground nor to, or hair on your head fall unless, unless the most high knows about it and allows it to be. Now, if you, under, now if you, if you really believe that, then you know he's, uh, intricately interwoven in all the aspects of your life, and that's why you have to turn to him for the guidance. But the fact of the matter is this, is, yes, uh, you have a lot of responsibility, and that's why, you know, Paul in First Corinthians 7 said, such I have trouble in the faith because, excuse me, in the, in the flesh when you're dealing with that relationship between a husband and wife because there are difficulties and there are added responsibilities that arise uh, in a man who is married as opposed to a man who was single, who wouldn't have to deal with those issues. But at the end of the day, if you did have a rebellious wife who didn't want to do those things, then, of course, at the end of the day, because because you have the responsibility, those things are going to fall back on you until the situation can get resolved. Okay, so, and that's that's what I want to know about. How, how does a real man go about getting this resolved? Because you, you pointed out that he can't make her obey God, he can't make her obey you, you can't make her do anything. So how do you go about getting that resolved since you can't make her do anything? Through counsel. Counsel. Through counsel, the, through counsel of the scriptures and the guidance of the Mosai and the spirit of Christ, that, that's how it's going to get resolved. And I can't give you any more details than that. 
because it'll be completely hypothetical. As the situation right. develops, as understanding as understanding comes, then you're able to deal with it. And um, you know, we can get back to that question that you asked about the children, but the fact of the matter is the point that I'm trying to get across is that the responsibility of that household from the smallest to the greatest thing is ultimately on that man. And the Lord has given us the benefit of having, you know, a blessing with a wife who is a help meet. But that doesn't mean you just dump it on her and all, and all of a sudden, you know, it's her, it's her fault whether it's done or not. Because the thing is, because the, men, the most I put the man in this position, ultimately that household, the entire household from the smallest to the greatest thing is his responsibility, and that is the perspective that he has to take on it. Now, the benefit is that we have wives that the Lord bless us with, and if they're in the spirit, that they take on their part in that. But if they don't, you still have the responsibility to sure things are done in the order that the Most High set it up in. That's the main point I'm trying to get across. Okay, okay. <clears throat> All right, so um, what what about uh, his, his dealings with his extended family? Um, you know, in dealing with his extended family, um, how does he prioritize that? Because, you know, you have these situations in certain situations where a man is married, he has children, but his, his, his mother and his brothers and sisters that he grew up with, they take precedence over his, uh, his family that he, his wife and his children. So what's the proper, um, uh, priorities that should be placed there? Can I ask well, that question, you, brother? Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, brother. Yes, yeah, so you said uh, extended family and what's the uh, what's the precedent and, and how she's supposed to do that. First and foremost, when a man takes on a wife and and children, whether they be from him or not, the first and foremost priority outside of of the, that man's relationship with God Almighty is to his wife. Let's read Genesis chapter two and verse twenty four. Therefore shall a man leave father, <clears throat> excuse me, and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So the point is, when a man takes on the responsibility of a wife, everything else, that wife and the family that comes with that wife becomes paramount. That becomes his first priority outside of uh, his relationship with the Heavenly Father. Now, as far as extended family is concerned, it's not. Uh, it's not saying. Uh, it's not saying. Neither do you find in the scriptures where it says that you're supposed to just cut your 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 extended family off, because that takes us right back to Matthew the fifth chapter, where Christ told us, or was it Matthew the seventh chapter, where Christ told us to let our light shine before men. So we're supposed to be example of Christ within our households, within our immediate amongst our immediate family members, as well as our extended family members, we still have that same responsibility of dealing with our extended family members in the spirit of Christ, being an example of Christ to our extended family members. Well, Lord willing, they seek that example and they repent. And also, right. just to go back on your point with the children, uh -huh. I just want to read this, read this real quick, Psalm 78 and verse 5, that really bring, illuminates the point that these things are ultimately your responsibility. Uh, Psalm 78 and verse 5 says, For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to, to their children, that in the generations that come they might know them 
even the children which shall be born, who shall arise and declare them to their children. So you see how that ultimate responsibility lies on that man and that wife that he has is to help me. But okay. he has to take the oversight thereof, make sure these things are done. And that's what a real man does. Like we go back to Ecclesiastes, he fears God and keeps his commandments because that's his whole duty. Well, brothers, thank you so much for uh, bringing out all of those scriptures concerning what a real man is. And we've definitely learned that the Father is a Christ. Appreciate all that. And now, chat And most of all, I appreciate the most high and his son Christ for giving us the strength and the wherewithal to put this program on. Until next time, the most high in the name of Christ bless you all. Shalom. Shalom. Brothers and sisters, thank you for visiting with us in the virtual living room of the Body of Christ Church. You can visit our website at thebocc.com or you can email us at bodyofchrist at youreach.com or call us at 877-871-1712. Until our next visit, the Most High in the name of Christ bless you. Shalom.